Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on August 28, 2022. One of the great things as we continue our study of the Gospel of Luke and Jesus, one of the great things about the Bible is that it's real. It tells the stories of everyday, ordinary life situations, and then Jesus uses those situations to teach us a lesson. Understandably, we focus on the miracles because they kind of stand out to us, but Jesus excelled at taking an everyday, ordinary situation and teaching something important from it. And today's story is a, sister, is, is a story of sisterly rivalry. If you have a sister, you understand. You understand. Uh, my sister and my brother and I, three of us, were almost always growing up in the midst of some kind of rivalry. Sometimes it was the two boys against the girls. Sometimes it was the two oldest against the youngest or the two youngest against the oldest. It was friendly, but there was always a little bit of tension between us. Now, understand this. As a dad, I have seven daughters. I have seen sisterly rivalry. It's just a normal, everyday part of my life. I think it still happens, but since they're all grown and mostly out of the house, I don't have to referee anymore. They can solve it on their own. It's the nature of siblings to compete, compare, contrast, and push back. And in today's story, the kind of rivalry, difference of opinion, different way of living between Mary and Martha, Jesus used it to teach an important life lesson. And that lesson then spurred the disciples to ask, Jesus, could you teach us to pray? That's what Jesus excelled at. Yeah, the miracles are incredible, but it was the everyday situation in a house with Mary and Martha, two sisters, after a time of prayer with his disciples, that Jesus taught some eternal things that you and I need to know. Now, don't judge Mary and Martha as we read, because it really wasn't a, a right or wrong situation. They were different, but Jesus used that difference to teach them something important. So, Luke 10, verse 38, is where we begin, and we're going to read into chapter 11, verse 13. So, let's stand together as we read this story of Mary, Martha, and prayer. And here's how this passage reads. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, by the way, let me just insert, they're on their way ultimately to Jerusalem. Jesus knew he was going there to die. His disciples hadn't picked that up yet. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. 
And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, I love this line. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask me and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Great passage. You may be seated. And I really want to make sure that you understand this. And understand part of what I do when I teach on Sunday morning is I'm not just teaching you the passage. I'm kind of teaching you how to look at and analyze and study the Bible. So, This is how I went through it this week. Start with the situation, and the situation was there were two totally different sisters. Martha was a doer, and in this situation, she was overwhelmed with the doing. Now, understand a little background. Jesus traveled with 12 disciples Many of those disciples were married, so at any given time, some of the wives, maybe even some of the kids would have been with them. Others traveled with Jesus. So for Martha, a doer, probably with the gift of hospitality, to say, hey, come and stay at my house, that's a huge thing. There were no texts, there was no mass communication, no any kind of communication. So this was a kind of sperm and a thing. Jesus came into town. Martha says, hey, come to my house. And then probably she found out saying come to my house was not to Jesus, but maybe to 20, 25 people. Okay, just, just think of it, ladies especially. But men, you're going to be called into this. You got 25 people come to stay at your house tonight. Me, my kids, my grandkids, all the in-laws, we need a place to stay. We're coming to your house. We'll be there about six. And by the way, could you have dinner? Because we'll be hungry. I mean, you can understand Martha's stress. There was food to purchase. There were beds to make. There was floor space to be found. There was food to cook. And by the way, this was Jesus you invited over. Not not a crazy brother-in-law. You wanted everything. Well, some of you have crazy brother-in-laws, okay? So this is Jesus, the healer, the the miracle worker, the possible Messiah. You wanted everything to be perfect. Don't judge her too harshly. I can understand why she was stressed. Mary was more of a thinker than a doer. I mean, Jesus was there. Healer, teacher, Messiah, maybe. And this was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so she wanted to hear every single word that Jesus said. 
So instead of taking care of the details, she stayed in the room with Jesus, probably the disciples, and a bunch of others, and took in every single word. Now, my hunch is, because this is how sisters operate, there may have been some silent communication going on. You know, as Mary came into the room, <clears throat> or maybe the eyes, or a nod of the head, maybe even a point. Get on. Mary was either. Mary was either totally oblivious or she just ignored it. She just wanted to be with Jesus. Two totally different sisters. I can understand them both. And that led to the complaint which Martha made to Jesus. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care that I'm doing all the work without Mary helping? Now, honestly, the complaint should have gone to Mary. Mary, I need help. And then we both can sit down and learn from Jesus. But she brought Jesus into the picture, believing that Jesus would send Mary to help her, maybe even shame Mary. But what she got instead was a life lesson that she needed, the disciples needed to hear, and that we need to hear today. So the situation, two different sisters, the complaint, don't you care? And then Jesus used it to teach a principle, focus on that which is most important. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, it's not that what you are doing is wrong. Hospitality is a great thing. So it's not wrong, it's not unappreciated, but you're driving yourself crazy with worry and stress and frustration over details, over the little things, and Mary is doing something important, learning from me. And that's a better thing. And so I'm not going to stop her. And so listen, the principle is this, and I really want you to get it. You can spend your life doing the necessary things, even the good things, and still miss out on the most important things. We've got to decide for ourselves, with Jesus' help, what is most important and focus on that. Because it's easy just to spend all your time doing good things, nothing that anybody can really complain about and say is bad. But it's not the best thing. And so you and I have dozens of decisions to make every week. And sometimes the decisions not between right and wrong, but between good and best. And we have to choose that which is best. So Martha, you can make a fancy meal or you can listen to Jesus. A fancy meal is good. But listening to Jesus when you don't have many opportunities, and he's only going to be here for maybe a day or two. That's the best. And so forget the fancy meal. Service sandwiches. Just put the bread and stuff out there. We'll all make ourselves. You got to make a decision between the good and the best. Dads, it often comes down to that for you. I'm going to make more money or I'm going to lead my family to be involved in church. 
Man, working hard and having a second job is a good thing. But leading your family to follow Jesus is a great thing. And so you need to make that decision. For all of us, spending a night at home watching TV, well, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Let's be honest about that. But volunteering to help kids or to help the homeless feed the hungry and then tell people about Jesus is a great thing. And so what I'm teaching is focus on those things that are most important, Jesus taught, and do those things. Perusing Facebook can be a good thing or mostly a bad thing. Perusing the Bible is a great thing. Discussing politics with your family is good. Discussing theology and Jesus is great. Couch and relaxation time is good. Praying in a prayer meeting is great. Personal one, going to Las Vegas on September 18th to watch the Cardinals play the Raiders could be a good thing. Staying here and preaching a sermon like God called me to do, that's a better thing. And I can watch the Raiders in February in the Super Bowl in town anyway. (laughs) You understand what I'm telling you? A big part of life, you know, sometimes we think it's between horrible sin and serving God. A big part of life is choosing between the good and the best. And you and I have to choose the best. So I'm not saying don't do the necessary things. Meals must be cooked. Laundry must be done. Bills must be paid. Work needs to be done. Fun and relaxation is essential and even biblical. Do those things, but don't let your life be consumed by them. If you want to please Jesus, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want your life to count for good and for God, if you want our country to turn to God, you consistently must choose the best over the good, the most important over the less important, the God things over the me things. And so the principle, Mary, Martha, focused on those things which are most important. By the way, in order for this to happen, in your mind, you got to have a list of what is most important. And we'll talk about that because that's going to be one of the steps that, that, that we get to at the end. One of the practical things is you have to decide for yourself, write them down, print them on your brain, what is most important to me. And then you can choose the most important over the less important. So then after this lesson, the disciples made a request. They'd been thinking about this and what's most important, and then they watched Jesus go and pray. And so they made this request, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus, we've heard you teach publicly about prayer. We've seen you pray. And we've seen the spiritual power that results when you do pray. Can you teach us to do that? Though they didn't know it, within a matter of months... They weren't going to have Jesus physically present with them anymore. They didn't buy this. Jesus was going to have to die. And we'll see that in coming chapters when Jesus taught that. It took them a long time to grasp that. And so they were thinking, Jesus will always be with us. 
But Jesus wanted them to learn to pray. And after seeing him, they made this incredible request. One that I hope all of you have asked. God, could you teach me to pray? Because I know prayer is important. And so I want to learn. By the way, we're in the same situation the disciples would be in soon. Jesus is not physically present for us. So we need to learn to talk to him and hear from him. So you got this incredible request, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus' answer, there's a lot here. What Jesus told them is very similar to what he said in the Sermon on the Mount, where we normally turn to when we talk about the Lord's Prayer. This is a version of that. But understand what Jesus was teaching his disciples. This is an absolute essential skill that every believer must have. You've got to know how to pray if you want to follow me. It cannot be done otherwise. And so I want you to to learn some principles from this. I'm not going to take it word by word or element by element. I want you to learn the principles that Jesus was teaching about prayer. And there's four of them I want to share with you. And the first prayer principle is this. Keep it simple. Jesus' prayer was not long and it was not complicated. It was not filled with fancy words or deep theology. It was short and simple. Never judge yours or anyone's else spirituality by the words they use in prayer or the length of their prayers. This was very simple and direct and to the point. Father, I honor you. I ask that your will will be done. I pray for today's needs. Forgive me my sin just as I forgive others and help me avoid sin from now on. Amen. I mean, that prayer is less than a minute long. Keep your prayer simple. That's the model. Prayer is not a doctoral student trying to sound impressive. It's much more like a child talking to a daddy. Dad, I love you. I want to do right. Oh, by the way, today I need some gas money and lunch money. I blew it yesterday. I'm sorry. Can you help me do right today? Thanks. Prayer is much more like that than it is a dissertation. Jesus was not trying to be deep. He was teaching an essential skill that you and I need. And the first thing he taught us is, listen, this prayer thing is not as complicated as you think. Keep your prayer simple, direct, to the point, and from the heart. It's as simple as a child asking a dad for help. Don't overcomplicate it. And do understand that dads love it when their children ask for help. Most of my kids are out of the house. And so I don't get that every day. So when I get the call, hey, dad, I need help. I will be there. That's what I do. I may not have great sounding words, but you need your car jumped. You need a tire replaced. I'll be there because I love my kids and I want to help them. So they don't need to give me a 35-minute dissertation on why dad should help their kids. Hey, dad, I need help. Can you help? I'll be there. Keep it simple. Prayer principle number two, keep praying. I love this parable. You have unexpected night guests. Now, keep in mind, back in that day, you didn't know when they were coming. 
There was no texting, there was no phone calling, there was no messaging, there was no FaceTiming, there was no way. And so even if you knew sometime this month guests are going to come, you didn't know when they were going to get there. So Jesus tells this simple story, you have late night unexpected guests, they're hungry and you've got nothing. And so you pound on your neighbor's door asking for bread. He refuses. You insist. He offers excuses. It's late. My kids are asleep. Hey, don't wake the baby or mama's going to be mad at you. The door is locked. The alarm is on. I forgot the code. Whatever the excuses are, go away. But I pointed out when I read, I love the line, because of your shameless audacity, or some translations, because of your boldness and persistence, this grumpy neighbor finally decides it would be easier to give you the bread and go back to sleep than have you pounding on my door all night long. Now learn how to interpret parables correctly because Jesus is not saying that God is like a grumpy old man. Okay, parables usually teach one lesson and make sure you get the lesson. Keep praying until you get an answer. You didn't get an answer? Keep praying. Don't give up. You're not bugging God by asking him something for the 497th time. You keep asking until you get an answer. I mean, the answer might be yes, no, or, or something else. But until you get an answer, you keep praying. The most exciting baptism I ever did was for a man. And I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. His name came up in every prayer meeting in our church for 10 years straight. I mean, his wife, she was not giving up. She was a godly woman. Her husband was not. He refused for those whole 10 years. See, she would, in her frustration, she'd, Pastor, can you come by and talk to Larry? And if Larry saw me coming, he wouldn't answer the door. He did not want to talk to me. And he finally told me, don't come over. I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. I know my wife sent you over. I'm not interested. He was a serious alcoholic. But every prayer meeting, Diane would say, pray for Larry. Pray for Larry. On every prayer sheet that church turned out for 10 years, there was Larry's name. I want to tell you, when his heart was changing, he accepted Jesus at a Promise Keepers conference that I had to bribe him to go to. Because he lived in Arizona. Arizona didn't have In-N-Out burgers. And I told him, look, I want you to go to this men's conference. Is there going to be preaching there? Yes, I'm not interested. We're going to stop at the In-N-Out in Barstow. I'm going. <laughs> okay, so that's not the most spiritual reason in the way. And I had to agree, we're stopping at In-N-Out burger on the way and on the way back. He went. He accepted Jesus. The next Sunday, I baptized him. That was not Promise Keepers. It was not In-N-Out Burger. It was not Jack's persistent. It was a wife's persistent who said, I'm going to pray for this man every chance I get until God does something. Never give up. Don't make prayer too complicated. Keep it simple. Keep praying. Prayer principle number three, pray with faith. When you pray, as Jesus taught you, and about the things that Jesus taught us in this passage, pray believing, and the faith, by the way, is, is about God, not necessarily just about the thing you're praying for. You pray believing that God is real, that He cares, 
that he hears and that he will do what's best. Praying with faith doesn't mean you're always going to get what you ask for. I didn't get everything I asked for from my dad. I asked when I turned 16, and I'm still asking for it. God still has it answered for a 1966 fully restored Ford Mustang. That was in 1974. I always wanted one of those things. Dad said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a job in my hardware store, and you can save your money, and you can buy Grandpa's $400 old car that he's got for sale. Okay, so I, I got transportation. It's not what I wanted, but I had faith that my dad would do what was best. He gave me a job. I earned the money, bought the car. It was okay. The faith was in my dad. He's going to do what's best for me, and he did. So pray with faith, knowing that God is real, that he cares, that he will listen, and you can trust him to do what's best. Ask and it will be given unto you what God believes is best. I was young, married, and my marriage was failing. I turned to two good friends in the church, Lloyd and Judy. I went to their house, I talked to them, and I received some good advice. But the best thing that happened at their house that day was they had two daughters, Laura and Lisa, fifth grade, seventh grade. And I'd been the youth director, so they knew me really well. But as soon as they realized I was talking to mom and dad about serious adult stuff, they went down the hall to their room. And we talked, and I cried a little bit, and I got some advice. And then I was ready to leave. The two girls came out of their room. And they said this. We heard enough to know that you and Don are having some troubles. We love you both. We went to our rooms and we prayed for you. It's going to be okay. I don't know if God spoke to them and told them to tell me it was going to be okay or that was just a statement of faith. But we're okay. Don and I have now been married for 44 plus years. We have nine children. And within a day or so, we're going to have nine grandchildren. I think we're going to make it. And a big part of the credit, listen to this. I don't remember. I don't have a clue as to what advice Lloyd and Jumi, mom and dad, gave me. But I will always remember that these two young girls prayed for me. And they told me, children, listen, prayer is not an adult thing. You have the power to change more things than you know if you learn to pray. By the way, Laura and Lisa, that's where my daughter, Larissa, got her name. We named her after these two sisters who are now grown, serving Jesus, and doing a great job of raising their own kids and grandkids. Pray with faith. And number four, know the heart of God. There's joy for parents in loving their children. Now, if that's true of us, as Jesus said, e even though you're evil, 
You got to admit that. You're sinners. But if you love your kids and want to do what's best for them, how much more does God? He wants to help us. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants us to grow. He wants us to give us joy. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit. And so part of praying in faith is understanding the heart of God. He's good. He's loving. He is on our side. He wants what is best for me and for you. We are not going into prayer like negotiating with a cold-hearted banker. We're, we're talking to a loving Father who wants what's best for us. And so when we ask for His best, His heart is already in the direction of giving us what we need. The message paraphrases the section like this. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game. If your little boy asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. Don't you think the Father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask Him? Yes. Because He loves us. So when you pray, know the heart of God. He's real. He cares for me. He's interested in me. And so reading that last night, and again this morning, I prayed, God, I need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to preach this. Especially if it's going to make a difference on people's lives and teach them to pray. So I prayed and I can stand here with confidence, understanding that God's working in your lives. Because he said he would. Because he loves you. And he's interested in you. And he wants what's best for you. So our response to a message like this Rethink your priorities. I told you I was going to tell you that, but don't just kind of meander through life. Decide what's most important to you. Make a list. Imprint it on your brain. These are the things that are most important to me. Make sure you know what your priorities are. And then choose those things. One of my priorities is not wasting every night just sitting in front of the, the, the TV. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time doing that. I'm going to do those things which are most important. You've got to have that list in your brain. You've got to know. You know, is, is faith in God? Is serving God? Is raising your family to, to seek God? Is spending time in prayer? Is serving God in your church? Are these priorities? Rethink them. Because you can't make the best choices until you know what those best choices are. So rethink your priorities. And number two, make prayer one of your priorities. I've told you before some advice I got from my grandfather. Very successful pastor of some mega churches. First Baptist Houston was one of them president in the 60s of the National Southern Baptist Convention. During my teenage years, he was my primary mentor and teacher. And so we had some of these impromptu talks. And, and, and you know, sometimes 
I would expect from him something deeply theological and profound. The lesson I learned from him is two things as a pastor. He said, spend more time with your family and more time praying. Spend more time with your family and spend more time praying. Make those your priorities and God's going to bless you. So I wanted you to hear that today. Yeah, Mary and Martha, different. Choose that which is best, not just the good thing. And then learn how to pray. And it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. But make sure that prayer is one of our great priorities. Praying for my kids. Praying for my wife. Praying for my church. Praying for my nation. Has more of an impact than anything else I could do. So rethink your priorities and make prayer one of them. I'm going to pray. We, we have in our church, and you know this, what we call a, a time of invitation, a response time. It's not a time to just pack up your Bible and hope that we get to, and all the people said, amen part. It's a time to seriously go before God and put into what we've practiced, put it into, into reality. So you spend some time praying. If God's leading you to make a decision, there'll be people here to help you, or you can let us know on a connection card. But I really want you to be talking about, God, what are my priorities? Am I living those? And is prayer one of them? Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.